0: Big questions facing the five Big 12 schools that did not make the postseason in the 2023 season. We'll talk about those schools and a lot more on today's Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. We are here on the Crystal Ball College Football channel on YouTube. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcasts, obviously here on YouTube as well. If you find us in the audio realm, five stars are always appreciated. If you guys find us by video channels, like the video, subscribe the channel, and leave comments. That's the best way to support this show. And I do appreciate every single comment that we get, negative or positive, agree or disagree. uh, Those likes, those comments, all that stuff really helps. So best place, five plus days a week of Big 12 content. If you all want reactions, from the weekend that was in Big 12 football. We've got those on Sunday morning show. And also, I did an instant reaction video to the news that Dana Holgerson was fired at Houston and some conversation about where we go from there. So you all can find that here on the channel as well. You guys can find me on Twitter slash X. The show is at NW Pod 365. You guys can find me personally at Josh Neighbors, underscore. We had our final big 12 best bets of the season this past week. And after that, let's see, I think it was another three and four week. I believe only see a total was, Oh, I think I picked, what was it five games? Yeah, I was two and three in those. Um, and then I was, let's see. Yeah. So three and four, I think total on the weekend that puts us at 41 and 34 on the season. So we were a money-making operation and also, two folks, um, uh, also, as in addition to that, uh, we'll have some picks in the postseason here, but mostly around the Big 12 championship game. So a positive season for us, although it was very difficult down the finish for me. Positive season overall. You guys can find my basketball bets, which we will turn our attention to here very shortly. We'll start getting those going here very, very soon. All right, so let's get down to the action. So this week, we are going to hit the Big 12 championship game from every single angle. We'll hit it from Oklahoma state side. We will hit it from the Texas side. We will hit it from the standpoint of what does it mean for the league? What does it mean for the college football playoff? Um, as well, because the big 12 with, uh, Texas still very much in this hunt. What do they need to happen? But before we do, before we really get to all the teams that are going to be continuing to play, and we'll have more coverage of some of these schools. I'm about to mention as we go along, but We've got to check in because there are schools who are having their seasons, uh, they're over, right? The Big 12 has 14 teams at this moment in time, this football season, and five of those schools are not going to bowl games. Three of them are new Big 12 schools, and I think it's safe to say that, hey, uh, there is some expectation of this happening. I think if you look at Cincinnati, that was an expectation. Um, BYU, I think that's a fair expectation. And then Houston, expectation. The problem is they're disappointments in different ways. Two that we're not, and I, I think they are really trying to rebound here, are TCU and Baylor. TCU finishes at five and seven, Baylor finishes at three and nine. So we're focusing on those schools that are not in the postseason. Because I think there's a whole lot to talk about when it comes to the schools that are and what they're looking to get out of their post-seasons. But we have to kind of put a moratorium, you know, uh, or, you know, kind of, I guess, a memorial, if you will, of these seasons. And so we do that with our losers corner usually. And look, uh, I don't think actually any of these teams won this week, so it's basically loser corner where we go to Dusty Rhodes. Kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Hard times. Who has fallen upon hard times in the Big 12? And I'd say the five schools this week that have fallen upon hard times are the five schools that are not going bowling. So we'll put those up right now as the graphic gets fired up. Boom, Cincinnati, Baylor, BYU, Houston, and TCU. So let's go first with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Cincinnati finishes the season at 3-9, and 1-8 and eight in the Big 12 Conference. And I think this was a little bit expected. If you look at overall the way their season went, uh, they end up scoring 289 points in their season. They give up 360. They were one and six at home. They were two and three away. Um, and if you kind of think about like what were the highlights of the year for them? So they started off two and oh, they beat the hell out of Eastern Kentucky. Great. They won at Pitt. And so when they beat Pitt 28, 20, uh, 27, 21, I had a couple thoughts. I did not think Pitt was very good, although I was impressed by Cincinnati's amount of fight and the fact that Satterfield got them ready to go and got them on the road and and you know got them that victory. So I thought that was a, um, I would say it was an impressive performance in some ways. I think that they deserve a lot of credit for going out there and getting that victory. But after that, Things did begin to dissipate for them. Uh, Miami of Ohio lost 31 24, right? Then they then welcome in Oklahoma at home, big noon uh, kickoff, I believe, that game. 20 to 6 loss, in which they were, I mean, they were never really like in the game, but they were never really getting blown out. So, like, it's kind of a, all right, sure, you're two and two now. The BYU game, we know now BYU is not a great team. They lose that one 35 27. And, uh, you know, then then kind of, I mean, they had some close losses this year. Don't get me wrong. But uh, then they lose 30 to 10 to Iowa State, uh, 32-29 to Baylor, 45-13, 28-26 against UCF, right? So they have this string of, what was it, six straight losses, end up at two and seven. And then they get the 24-14 win against Houston, which feels like the nail in the coffin for Dana Holgerson. They get doubled up by West Virginia and they get blown out by Kansas. So the issue for this team is this. They have to um, they're going to have to find a quarterback. This entire thing for them starts at the quarterback position. Emory Jones comes in and I thought it was pretty clear to start this season that Emory Jones was not a power five caliber starting quarterback. Uh, I think that was pretty apparent from the word go and they are going to need to figure out, uh, whether they want to go with the, uh, backup Brady, Brady Lichtenberg, who who was obviously in there. And, you know, they may have some hopes for him if he is the guy moving forward. I think they should definitely bring somebody in to help compete for this spot. And you also look too, at the quarterback situation. Uh, Samaj Jones is their big quarterback, the, the the one guy they're bringing in in this class, right? Like each each class at least has one quarterback. So Samaj Jones is a the guy they're going to bring in. And I don't know about the rest of the um uh, the the roster for them, but. You know, I think that it's it's clear to me if they had a better quarterback, he would have gotten an opportunity to play, and they didn't. And then uh, so uh, a, a Brady, a Drogash, Drogosh, right, right, right. Um, also the other guy that they've got there right now as well too. And so you think, like, all right, do they have a quarterback out of the group of the guys that they have right now? And uh, Drogosh was a three-star player uh, who came in there, and I think he picked them over. I forget which other teams that he picked them over. Um, but like you know he had some yeah he had power five interest so for them it's going to be at that position they have to fix things their recruiting's not too bad they've got a pretty full up class at this point but scott siderfield's going to have to motivate the donor base obviously to give some money when it comes to what they're doing with name image and likeness that's obviously going to be a very important thing but as they sit right now they're a 44th overall class so a top 50 class is big They've got one four-star in Daniel Jones, a corner from Powder Springs, Georgia. They've got right now committed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the key under Fickle was getting those guys that the Jerome Fords of the world, right? The guys in that were under-evaluated, under-recruited and developing them. Satterfield needs to get back to that. be A little bit of a slow grind to get there. Um, but they also need to find some kind of identity, right? You watch Cincinnati this year. It felt like they wanted to run the football and play good defense. Um, And they were sixth in the country in rushing yards, which actually to me is pretty impressive because they were down a lot in a lot of games. Right. Um, But they also, their defense was 102nd and they were not scoring very well either. So they have a lot they have to work on. And like, this was not a this was not a team that was completely uncompetitive at times, but like it just wasn't a good football team. And so you know, everybody everybody wants to portal this thing up, you know, but like for them, it's more about development. The transfer portal giveth and taketh away. Cincinnati is not a program to me that is gonna maximize as much as others are. Now, they do have a chance because they are in Ohio and do offer, you know, I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth. I can't say that there are opportunities at a place. Like a um, like a Houston, right, where kids could come home because there are a lot of kids that are from Ohio as well, right? I can't say UCF's a place where kids can do that and not say Ohio is a place where kids can do that. That is true. Ohio is a place where kids can uh, return home and go and play and and do that. Um, so that that is that that should be mentioned with all of this. But to me, it's more about the development side of things that will ultimately dictate how good Cincinnati football is going to be. And I'm wondering what the changes will be potentially on staff and all things of that nature for them moving forward. So um, the Luke Fickle thing, they're still feeling the effects, obviously, of that. And uh, I don't know if we're going to see that level of Cincinnati football program under Scott Satterfield. I've got some serious questions about that. Let's hit the other schools that are involved that are uh, new Big 12 schools. Let's go with BYU next just because it's a bit easier. Kalani talk. He's going to keep his job. He's going to maintain his job, obviously. Um, for them, you know, they are trying to be, become whatever version of, of uh, you know, BYU they were as an independent. And there are some really good years for them. And they're going to try to recruit California. They're going to try to recruit Texas. But this is another, another one of those where this is a development program, this developmental program. And now – I don't know. I have to go see. I think Redslav still has obviously eligibility left. But the big thing for BYU at five and seven as well too is you know they've got some decent players in the spot. Like they have the makings of a team here. They got to repair the offensive line. Gotta get back to a point where they they can run the football because they were 120th in the league or in the entire country this year in rushing. Um, They got to be a bit more efficient with the passing. And, uh, for them, like their defense needs to improve. I think for them, physicality though, is, is always a big thing for them. They want to be really good up front. And, uh, yeah, Jake Retzlaff is going to have more, uh, is, is plenty more eligibility left. Or at least, uh, I forgot where he came in from. I think he went Juco, right. But he's got, he's got some eligibility left. So that's an option for them. A quarterback, They can see a transfer portal, but they are down at quarterback in a way they have not been in the last few years. So that's obviously a huge piece to, you know, losing the Kua wide receiver. They still got Rex, still have some guy. Parker Kingston's not a bad player, obviously, either. So they've got some players and like the way Dobbins looked too. So for them, I think getting that offensive line back to where they feel like they're as physical as they were in the past is pretty big. And I actually thought physically they did hold up in some of the games they played, right? Like for a while, they were in that Texas game. Their offense just never got going. Right and the Oklahoma game they were in for a minute too. The turnovers are ultimately what killed them. Um, and then the game against you know Oklahoma State, like they fought. And so I like some of the. I mean they were they were not great in the back end of the season. But, but telling you that they covered twice against two teams like Oklahoma, they lost to Oklahoma by seven. And they lost to Oklahoma State by six. So there is some stuff there. I think it's just getting about, it's about them. It's about the right groups, physicality wise. That's the big thing for them, getting the right group physically. Uh, Final one, Houston. The reason why we're not going to dive too much on Houston is their hire is going to dictate so much of what we talk about for what Houston football looks like moving forward. And there's options right now. I've talked to some folks, you know, Gary Patterson's name's been brought up. And, you know, when I heard Gary was interested in getting back into coaching, I think a lot of us assumed like, all right, it's going to be in Big 12 country, right? I mean, it just makes the most sense that Gary Patterson returns to Big 12 country. My big problem with him as a head coach is this, and I've said this before and I will say this again. I don't know, unless Gary's had some time to think about it, I don't know about Gary Patterson, the personnel manager, right? Like I think that thing that got Mike Gundy in trouble with some of his players, not all of his players, but some of his players, you know, I think Gary's got a lot of that. and like, Mike Gundy's got personality. I'm not saying Gary's got no personality, but... What about GP? outs and and here's the thing, he's got so much respect as a coach, but in this day and age, I don't know if just respect is what gets you recruits, right? Obviously, it's not, and so I don't know how much players are gonna love Gary Patterson. I don't know how uh, you know much he's gonna inspire the NIL part of Houston, right? So in the way that a Jeff Trailer would inspire that. I did see Rhett Lashley getting the extension at Houston just happened. So there's one potential option that's off the grid. If they can get Jeff Trailer, and I know Jeff Trailer has talked about potentially getting another pay raise at UTSA, but man, it's time for him to cash in, right? I mean, Frank Harris is gone. I still think it's going to be a good program, but I, I don't know if it's going to be at top, top, top level. And I think, you know, whether he wants, I mean, I think he wants a better job in Houston to be honest. Right, another one of those kind of potentially commuter school situations, but he just did a school like this. Maybe he wants a bit more of a traditional college program. But once again, like it's hard to talk about Houston season right now. And I did a video yesterday about Houston. So we're not going to spend too much time on the Cougars today. That brings us to two teams: Baylor and TCU. So let's go with Baylor first. Baylor, because the, the news really lies with the Baylor Bears right now. Baylor made the decision yesterday and announced that they are bringing back Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda will be the head coach for Baylor for the start of the 2023 season mentioned NIL, right? That's, that's obviously a big part of this Um, and made a big staff change as Jeff Grimes was, was out of there, right? We just saw him get out of there. And so Baylor to me should be a team that is recruiting very well. The problem for them right now is they only have 14 commits. And they actually have a pretty good talent core at some of the positions. The issue where Baylor has struggled is offensive line. And particularly Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos did a great job of coaching up that 2021 offensive line after they were one of the, one of the worst offensive lines in the entire country in the previous season. So they're in a spot now where that's back to not being a strength. This is a team that wanted to run inside and outside. I mean, you know, a lot of outside zone particularly is what they want to run. And they were not able to do that. I mean, to me, like, you know, you run a lot of zones sometimes if you don't feel great about your offensive line, man to man. So you want to get them moving get them in space, get them rolling. Right. That's kind of what you want to do. These guys weren't going <laughs> to, they, they weren't going to that either. And so, um, And I think, look, like they, the quarterback spot's going to be interesting. I don't think Blake Shapin played bad enough to where they have to make a change. I'm not saying he deserves to be the number one guy. I think there should be a fight in camp, but I don't know if Sawyer Robertson is necessarily the answer for them at quarterback. And I don't know if that's the biggest position of need for them. It feels like everything for Baylor defensively is the need and Dave Aranda mentioned this he's gonna have to get more involved with the defensive play calling and whatnot or else he will not make it through the entire season right they were getting blown out like this was not this particular this right here guys this was not a competitive football team like their losses I mean they have let's see they lost nine games two uh three of those losses were one score games The Utah lost one score game. The, let's see, the Houston lost one score game and the West Virginia lost one score game. This was not a, once again, particularly competitive group on the defensive side of the ball. The numbers overall tell that story. They were uh, 114th in the league. When it came to points allowed per game in the league, I mean, in the country, and it came to points allowed per game, they didn't stop the run very well. Um, you know, didn't stop the pass very well. Like This was not a team equipped to, I mean, their corners were not good. Like, this was just not a this personnel issue. And Baylor should have the resources to be a portal team. They are in a location to be, everybody wants at the portal. Baylor should be able to. Baylor should be able to identify talent. They should be able to pay for that talent and they should be able, should be able to coach that talent. So to me, this is a team that is prime for an uptick because I think Dave Aranda obviously knows the situation that his program is facing and that he as a coach is facing and that somebody is, you know, look like I think he's not going to change his personality. I'm not saying he should, but you know, he need he's gotta get a little bit more fiery. He needs somebody to be more fiery because it's a guy who's always been good at identifying his problems. That does not seem like it's the case anymore. Like he was always good at that in the past. And I think he knows them, but it's it's just like the fire to, to fix is kind of the term I want to use here. The fire to fix just is not there, right? Um, and I'm not seeing that from them right now. So, with that, that's your huge concern, right, for Baylor is you know, they don't seem to be identifying the problems. The good news is, you know, the problems and the good news is they should be able to get guys in there. Baylor is a program that has won at least 10 games with three separate coaches over the last 15 years. I make this point a lot. Matt Rule did it. Dave Aranda did it. Art riles did it. They've got the means necessary, particularly in the new Big 12 conference, to make this happen. Can they do so? big question for Dave and company to answer and the recruiting class folks is not great for next year right now. It's very much an incomplete class. Uh, they are 61st ranked right now. Um, they've got one four star looks like, Jaden, uh, Jaden, uh, Jaden uh, Porter. Yeah. Um, quarterback for them. They've got Nate Bennett, uh, out of Westlake village in California. Right. And so we'll see what happens for them in the transfer portal. Once things get going, we'll see if they lose the transfer portal. But like, if they can retain some of their guys, because they have a pretty good receiving core, at least I think, and they've got some talented players on offense. But how many of those guys are kind of sick? What's happening there? Or do they want to see a change? Or do they want to see what the offensive change is for Baylor? A lot of questions there on both sides of the ball. That's the problem. Like they've got issues on both sides. They have to fix. I feel like the the good news is like the offense is more correctable from a schematic standpoint. Or like, you know, just like what they need to do better. Like they need to get this thing. They need to get the ball outside. Like they need to get the ball to the, the perimeter, uh, get the ball to the playmakers' hands. They need they need a little bit of a little bit of veer and shoot right back in the business, right? The defense is where I think the good news for them too, once again, is they've got a defensive-minded coach. You know the positions and you should be able to pay for it. So like bad systemic problems, but I don't think it's a program that's incapable of of addressing it, I think is the way to put it. TCU last, but certainly not least due to the fact that these boys were in the national championship last year. Our guy, Sonny Dykes was in the national championship game last year. And now they're not even going to a bowl game. They're not even going to the Texas bowl. And, uh, obviously a massive, massive loss for them. But like that seems to be who Sonny Dykes is a little bit up, a little bit down. Right. I don't think as a person, he's not, but, um, this team's got talent. They've got the ability to acquire talent and they should be able to coach pretty well. the thing is like Garrett Riley's offense would eventually work at Clemson. But I do, I think Kendall Bryles is a good offensive coordinator. I think that the problem for Kendall Bryles is this. He is, he is really good at running the veer and shoot. His system is never really the problem. He's actually the problem. Like his situational play calling has cost them games. And and some of the decision-making has cost them games. There are games like this should have been a bowl team, right? They lost, uh, they lost a decent amount of close games on the season, right? And they did actually hammer a couple. They beat some good teams, um, or at least they beat, you know, uh, they beat SMU, which is a good team, uh, and they hammered BYU, and they hammered, so they they killed bad teams and and you know beat one uh, decent team. You look at the losses though, like three point loss to Colorado, three point loss to West Virginia, thirteen point loss to uh to uh let's see iowa state on the road seven point loss uh, against texas tech three point loss against texas right the oklahoma game never really got competitive there were games they could have flipped the colorado game no excuse for that like they just got they got surprised and that shouldn't happen the first game after the season chandler morris not the guy josh hoover maybe the guy but like if you look at tcu and you look at them in the recruiting like this is not a program that's going to be held down very long Um, I have a tough time believing that if you remove Oklahoma and Texas, both of which who they played this year and look, guys, they've had a lot of success against Texas in the past. So I'm not too worried about them, but this is a team that is number three in the conference right now in recruiting number 33. Overall, they are getting, they've got multiple top 300 players committed to the program. Uh, they've got four, four star guys committed, you know, right now, UCF also guys, UCF's recruiting their asses off. Uh, they're going to be a top 25 class. They might be. They got nine four-stars right now. Hell yeah, Gus. The Gus bust, baby. That thing's rolling. Um, they've got four four-stars. They've got 14 other commits, obviously. They are a team that can do very, very well in the transfer portal as well, too. I think they need to be a bit more uh, – I want to see the defense make some changes. And I'm not saying Gillespie's got to go. She started a really good job, you know, given what they've got. Uh, but I think that they need to make some some changes, some thoughts about what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think offense for them is a huge problem. I think Kendall o'brien is a good coordinator who will always be a pretty good coordinator. This year for them, passing yards was seventh. Now, part of that is a function of the, ch- the fact they were chasing games. They were 69th in rushing yards. so they kind of middle of the pack. Their rushing offense really did slow down there towards the back end of the season. Um, their defense was not great this year obviously and that's what slowed them down so i think tcu is a team that was a lot better than what their record ended up being obviously they do have some injuries the receiving core was inconsistent but location 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 this is a bad season yes this should not be uh the norm i think TCU will be back to being pretty good next season and if you look at what they've got you know uh uh, i think it's Hegney is the quarterback they've got uh, was a top 300 kid he's number 11 quarterback in the country um not a big kid but he's coming in Josh Hoover obviously will get a good look they've got a um Gakyle, I think his name is Jakyyle uh Baker uh the top 100 wide receiver who is coming in as well as well too so they've got plenty of guys who are going to be coming to this program and there's plenty of guys who want to play for sunny Dykes and play for Kendall Briles um and also too I mean, you know, I think, I think they will be in the market for a transfer quarterback. I mean, I-, I think if you are KJ Jefferson, right. And, um, Kendall makes the overture to you and look that, like, that's the thing for KJ, KJ came, t- you know, KJ had to work with Danny who thought was going to have more pro ready, but it turns out you kind of just want to, if you're a veer and shoot quarterback, be a veer and shoot quarterback and learn how to play the other style and the pros, like they'll teach that to you. Cause like get paid first, right. Get show your ability, get paid first. Or worry about making the changes later. Um, I think that's kind of the way I look at it, right? Make that money. You, you don't have to learn a pro style in college. You'll learn a different offense in the pros anyway. So uh, KJ Jefferson, if he wants to play again, you know, Will Rogers obviously in the portal now, but you've got Josh Hoover. You've got the new quarterback coming in as well too. Um, I don't think Chandler Morris as a part of this program moving forward. From what it sounds like, I'm not sure the locker room loves him and i don't know why that is it's just what i've been told and so i think that that's something we have to consider too Um, but all these programs with some big questions to answer tcu has the least amount of questions to answer by virtue of their record by virtue of what they accomplished and by virtue of where they're located everybody else questions to answer and even look teams that are going to bowl games have questions to answer as well it's just a bit fewer of them because there's a lot more time to generate some momentum and and see some things in some bowl practices and whatnot. All right, that will do it for today's show. Let me know your thoughts on these schools falling upon hard times. Um, you know, which Big Twelve school faces the most questions this off season? Who was the worst Big Twelve school? What, you know, who was the, the the biggest disappointment this season? I would say the biggest disappointment was Baylor. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Baylor to me was uh at a game in and game out basis just how uncompetitive they were in some moments massive disappointment and i think that's why a lot of fans wanted dave aranda gone and i understand that um but to me that's the biggest disappointment so who was your biggest disappointment of the big 12 season let me know in the comment section below find us where you get your podcast find us on youtube's like the video subscribe the channel uh follow us on twitter at josh neighbors underscore you guys can find me at NW pod 365 as well. All right folks, talk to you tomorrow.